You are now listening to the Rose of Sharon Church podcast. It is our prayer that God challenges your heart during this week's message. If you would like to let us know what God is doing in your life, please email us at rostnshare at gmail.com. We're glad you're here. Welcome home to Rose of Sharon Church. With one another. But uh, tonight, uh, I may do a little bit of teaching tonight, but I'm going to go back to preaching. Amen. Uh, because I've got one more shot at you, and I'm going to give you all I got. Amen. Take your Bibles tonight and turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter number 25. Acts, chapter number 25 tonight as we go to the reading of God's almighty word tonight. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter number 25. Praise the Lord. I've been struggling uh, this week about tonight's message, but I believe uh, the Lord has given me permission to go ahead and proceed on. And uh, I, I do have several altar calls tonight. Uh, because I, I've got about, uh, I, well, I've got four or five sermons for you, but I can only preach uh, three this weekend. But I'm going to go ahead and give all of the altar calls tonight. Would that be all right? Uh, that way we'll get everybody in uh, before we get it over with tonight. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter number 25. If you found it, stand for the reading of God's Word near the back of the book of Acts. And uh, let's go to verse number 24. Verse number 24. In fact, I'll just read it. Uh, from my notes tonight, and we're going to pick up in a story here that's not a familiar story, but basically the background of this story is Paul is now, has been arrested, he's been under house of rest uh, for two years now, uh, he's won the guards under his house arrest to Jesus, he started a church in Rome, he's on his third missionary journey, and he's wrapping up all of his third missionary journey, and Paul now is gone before Festus, and this is the interlude, or this is the, the uh, time in which Paul will be interviewed by Festus and by King Agrippa, and then eventually Paul will be taken to Rome, and there he will meet his execution there under the hand of Nero, and this is the part of that story. Acts chapter 25, verse number 24. You there? Say amen. amen. And Festus, this governor, said unto King Agrippa, All men which are present here with us, you see this man, about whom all the multitude of the Jews have dealt with me, both at Jerusalem and also here, crying that he ought not to live any longer. But when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death, and that he himself had appealed unto Augustus, Caesar Augustus, I have determined to send him out. And of him I have no certain thing to write unto my Lord, wherefore I have brought him forth before you, specially before thee, O King Agrippa, that after examination had I might have somewhat unto write unto Caesar. For it seemeth to me unreasonable to send a prisoner and not withal to signify the crimes that has been laid against him. Look at Acts 26 verses 1 through 3 and we'll wrap this part up and begin to pray. Then Agrippa, this king, said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and he began to answer the king for himself. Look at verse number 2 of Acts 26. Verse number 2, and here's Paul's greeting words to King Agrippa. He said, King Agrippa, I think myself happy 
I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I'm accused of the Jews. Verse 3, especially because I know thee to be an expert in all the customs and questions which are among the Jews, wherefore I beseech thee to hear me out Patiently, You say, Brother B, now this is kind of a different text. Well, look back at verse number 2 of Acts 26, and this is what I want to preach on tonight. Acts 26 and verse number 2, in the beginning of the verse, he says, I think myself happy. Say that with me. I think myself happy. Let's pray together. Father, I love you tonight. I thank you for your word. I just pray, God, that as we begin to preach upon your word tonight, that, Father, you'd move Brennan Ayers out of the way. I pray the Holy Spirit would take me and take control of me again, that you'd move me out of the way, take control of my mouth, make my mouth, Father, the pen of a ready writer, that I might write upon the tablets of the hearts of men and women in this room, dear God. God, I pray that you would open up hearts. I pray that you'd open up spirits tonight. I pray that the inner man of man, Father, would receive the seed of the engrafted word of Almighty God, Lord, and it would bless this, your people, tonight, and we would give you all the praise and give you all the glory, and we'll give you all the honor, and all God's children said amen, and amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord tonight. I think myself happy. Let me recap some things for you and just kind of explain some things to you. After this third missionary journey, in Paul's arrest, Paul had gone to Jerusalem and he was attacked in Jerusalem in the temple by the Jews who sought out to kill him. There was a man named Claudius Lysus. He was the chief captain of the Roman band there at Judea. And you remember in the story in the book of Acts there when Paul was attacked in the temple, Claudius and the Roman band rescued him out of the temple and put him in the inner prison there in Jerusalem. They delivered him to Governor Felix there at Caesarea Philippi who heard him and placed him in jail under house arrest for about two years in solitary confinement. The reason they put Paul in solitary confinement is because Paul was winning so many people to Jesus. They put Paul in solitary put Paul in solitary confinement because they didn't want him talking to anybody because whoever he talked to, he told them about Jesus. Hallelujah. Wouldn't that be something to get yourself put in jail because everything you talk about or all that you talk about is Jesus and you win so many people to Jesus. Amen. It gets the devil so upset he just tries to lock you away. And so in all of this, he gets locked away for two years. But after two years, the Roman procurator, Festus, came to Jerusalem to hear Paul. And Paul appeals in that moment to Caesar Augustus. Now, you have to understand this. I'll just make this real simple. Paul was a Roman citizen, but he was also a Jew of Jews. He was a Pharisee. He understood the law. He understood the teachings of Gamaliel. And he, and he studied under Gamaliel in the Jewish law. But he was also a Roman citizen at that time. And when you're a Roman citizen and you're under the guard and you've been falsely accused, you can make appeals upwards. You can go up to the governor, you can go to the procurator, and you eventually you can go on to Caesar Augustus. And Paul had made his defense of the gospel to the Roman guard. He had made his defense of the gospel to the procurator. He had made his defense of the gospel to the governor. And now the Lord had spoken to him earlier that eventually he would make his defense of the gospel all the way in Rome. And he found his opportunity and found his chance and he made his appeal to go before Caesar Augustus but just as kind of a play thing they invited King Agrippa 
who was the king at that time over Jerusalem to come and hear the message of Paul and hear Paul making a, uh, a, an appeal for himself. So before leaving for Rome, King Agrippa, the ruler of all Judea, came to hear him. Paul is nearing the end of his journey and his pilgrimage for Christ. And soon Paul's going to be taken to Rome where he would say that he had fought a good fight and he had kept the faith. How many of you ever remember that scripture where he says, I've fought a good fight and I've kept the faith. Two years preaching under house arrest and would face trial and then under Nero he would be beheaded. Something I want to point out in this room tonight. Every person in this room has a will. Every person in this room has a will. You have a mind, you have a will, and you have emotions. In your will, you make decisions for yourself. And you make decisions for yourself based on your will, sometimes by your emotions, and sometimes by the feelings of the heart or the feelings of the room and of the climate of the room. But the will of every human is their decision maker. It's what holds your soul and your mind and your emotions together. The human will is affected by heart and the spirit of a man. That's why people can get grieved in their spirits and their will begins to drop. That's why we correct children and we begin to wield with their will, but we don't break their will because in that, in that we see that they have their heart and they have their spirit. There are certain ways that I talk to my son that I do not talk to my daughter. When I talk to my son, I use scripture and I begin to talk to my son in stories and that's how I correct my 24-year-old son. You say, Brother B, do you still correct your children and they're 24 years old? You bet your bucko, buddy. Amen. I'm going to do it till the day I die because I love my boy. Hallelujah. And I preach scripture to him and we have Bible study together because that's how Kyle learns how to be corrected. Now, Brooke, you have to lock her away in a room, duct tape her, glory to God. You got to get her isolated and away from everybody and every excuse that you can possibly can and leave her in there about three days till she gets humble, glory to God, and then go in there and give her a little bit of bread and water and she'll listen to you. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody responds a little bit. I'm just wielding at her will. I, you know, I'm not, I ain't trying to break it. I'm just trying to say different folks listen different ways. Some of you have to knock your head against the wall three times before you kind of wise up. Huh? Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? It's just, it's just, it's a part of our will. It's just how we are. And thinking and the human will go hand in hand. Our will must always be submitted to God's will. Because Jesus said in praying, amen, in the garden to the Father, He said, nevertheless, Lord, not my will, huh? But thy will be done. Jesus is the perfect example of submitting His will to the Father's will. So if Jesus had to pray, in his human flesh, though he was God in flesh, Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. What makes you think you're so high and mighty that you can't submit your will to God's will, huh? If Jesus had to submit his will to God's will, then you have to submit your will to God's will. And the Bible says these words. It says we walk by faith and not by sight. Say that with me. We walk by faith and not by sight. So faith and our will have something to do with working together. Meaning there are times in your life when you're going to have to adjust yourself. Adjust yourself in such a manner as to walk differently from other people because we are people who don't walk by the will of the flesh, but we are people who walk by the will of the Spirit. 
we are people who do not walk by the will of our emotions, but we are people who walk by the will of faith. Meaning I can't see it, I can't touch it, maybe I can't even smell it, but because I have a promise from God, I walk in it and I live in it because I have a promise from God. Look at your neighbor tonight and say, do you have a promise from God? Hallelujah. Do you have a promise from God? Don't let your emotions get in the way of your will in faith for the promise of God that he has for you. The devil's going to try to steal your will in faith and the promise of God from your life by messing with you. I know I'm preaching simple this weekend, but this is what I got for you, church. And, 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 and in the middle of all this, how do I adjust myself differently from walking by sight in order to walk by faith? It happens in the mind. When every Christian wills their thoughts toward the things of God. Oh, how many scriptures could we quote tonight on willing our mind toward the thoughts of God? I remember one little scripture that mom always would quote to me constantly. She'd say, son, set your affections on things above. And, and then she would begin to quote to me. She said, whatsoever's lovely, whatsoever's good, whatsoever's just, whatsoever is of a good report, think on these things. Amen. And she would quote that to me constantly because she she knew my little brain would get off and think on things that wasn't supposed to be a thinking on. Amen. But she would quote those scriptures to me. Psalms 118. You might just mark this in your notes. But Psalms 118, 24 and 28 says this. It says, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. And, and I like what he said in 28. He said, thou art my God, I will praise thee, thou art my God, and I will exalt thee. Why are you saying that to us, Brother B? Because it doesn't matter what your emotions play on you. Your God is still on the throne. Hallelujah. doesn't matter what circumstances are all around you and what's messing with you and what's coming in the mail and what bill collector's calling you. Amen. Trying to get something from you and somebody at work that's messing and trifling with you. I know tonight that my God is still on the throne. Hallelujah. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. If I've got a promise from God, I know God will do what he said he's going to do. And I know that this is the day that the Lord hath made and I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. Huh? huh? There comes a point in every believer's life where you have to got to, you got to start telling yourself some things. You got to start talking to yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, "Do you talk to yourself? Huh? Do you talk to yourself, honey? I sometimes I have to give myself my own pep talk. I have to give myself." My, my own self, my own pep talk. Amen. Go to your wife. Try to find encouragement. Don't get no encouragement. Still loves you. Just don't get no encouragement. Amen. Because she got her own junk she dealing with. And she's like, look, bucko, you just got to go get with God. Hallelujah. And uh, go to your children. Try to find some encouragement. Don't get no encouragement from your children. Call grandma up. Amen. You'd think grandma might give you a little bit of encouragement. But grandma's got aches and pains. And she's not cooking any cookies this week. Ain't no encouragement coming your way. You just got to go get in front of the mirror and give yourself your own talk. And uh, 
get in the bathroom somewhere or stand in front of the mirror, amen, and there's a, there's a thought adjustment process that has to take place here. How many of you have ever stubbed your toe at work or hit your hand with a hammer, amen? You started talking to yourself, probably not in the right words, amen. You may have even muttered some stuff in an unknown tongue, but it wasn't from the Spirit, amen. You know how to talk to yourself, amen. I, I, I remember uh, running a run, making a run, lost my phone, amen, at a drugstore somewhere, drove about 40 miles away, and then remembered I had to get my phone. Let me tell you something. When stuff like that happens, you talk to yourself, amen. You talk to yourself. We've started this new thing now called drafted out of our bank account. It's of the devil, hallelujah. It's of the devil, but, but uh, mama likes to pay bills that way, and so I try to be a good husband and submit to that. They're going to draft it out of our account, amen. But sometimes you go out to eat, and they've done drafted it out of your account. And then you get that text saying, you ain't got what you thought you got. You start talking to yourself. You start talking to yourself. And you start telling yourself some things. And, and, and there comes a point where you have to adjust yourself. Ephesians 5 says these words. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. I'm going to get a little bit into the Wednesday night lesson. But it says this. It says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. And we like that part that we're filled with the Spirit. But guess what the Holy Ghost does in the overture of the Spirit? The next verse in verse 19 says, Speaking to yourselves. Hallelujah. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord what are you trying to say I'm trying to say when you're down in the dumps you can praise your way out of the dumps hallelujah when you're down in the dumps and your mind is all ill adjusted you can praise your way out of it I don't know the words to all these pretty songs that brother Jason and sister Megan were singing I like them a lot I, I enjoy them leading us in worship amen and most of the time when I worship here Jason is singing so many new songs now. I just sometimes I just I kind of mutter along with him, and I just love you, Jason. Just keep singing them, amen. And uh, eventually I learn them, and and most of the time I'm just worshiping God. Why? Because your worship is not about the words in the song. Your worship is about what's coming out of the abundance of your heart. And so I'm just in here worshiping and glorifying God. But when I get down and when I get lonely or I get discouraged, I start singing stuff that I know. I start singing stuff that I know, and I sing it the way they taught me to sing it, amen. And it's never the rhythm, amen, that some of you white folks was taught to sing, amen. I know I'm white all over and pink and every crack in between, brother, but they taught me how to sing a little different from these other babies, amen, in here. And, 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 and I go to moaning, and I go to singing, and I try to build myself up in my most holy faith. And when speaking in tongues don't do it, I go back to Ephesians 5 and 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms, amen, and hymns and spiritual songs and there's times amen when I've been so discouraged and I've been so downtrodden about all I can come up with is an old Baptist hymn and great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness morning by morning new mercies I see all I have needed thy hand hath provided great is thy faithfulness Lord unto me hallelujah and I just think about those things and, and, and begin to muse on them hey, we had an old song in our church 
church called Jesus. Amen. And the whole song was Jesus. There was no other, other words to the song. Occasionally we'd say, oh, Jesus. But that was about it. The whole song was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And we just call on Jesus. And we, we did it in 4-4 time. Not this fancy stuff they do now. And we did Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And we just call on the Lord. And, 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 and sometimes that's what I do. I'm just in my truck. Jesus because you got to speak to yourself huh you got to speak to yourself and sing to yourself and and I sang some of them old hymns and I would sing some spiritual songs until I adjusted the way I was thinking the way I was thinking just think about this Jesus looks at his disciples they're in the upper room and he says something real encouraging to them they're going to kill me With your leader, Brother Rose comes in, y'all have communion, you're in the upper room, you're celebrating the presence of the Lord with each other, and Brother Rose looks at you and says, they're going to kill me. That's real encouraging, isn't it? Amen. They're going to kill me, and the Bible says they go out to the garden to pray, but before they did, after Jesus told them, I mean, he washed their feet, he loved on them, he cared for them, he broke bread with them, but the Bible says in the end part of the verse, they sung a hymn, hallelujah, they sung a hymn. Why did they sing that hymn? Because Jesus wanted them to know, although he was going to be killed, amen, the God of gods was going to take care of them and watch over them, and he was going to be the Messiah, and he was going to be the sacrificial lamb, a man for all of the sin of the world. The Bible says they sung a hymn and then they went to prayer. What are you trying to tell us, Brother B? There's some times you're going to get some discouraging news, but if you'll just worship God and thank God, amen, and adjust your stinking thinking, you can realize in your faith that your will and your faith are interlocked together and you can begin to look up toward heaven to the hills from which cometh your help because all of your help comes from the Lord. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Karen's grandpa, he's dead and in the grave now, 90, 90 some odd years old. He used to sing this song. He used to drive Karen crazy. Amen. But he sung it to me one day and it got in my spirit. And he said, he said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I'm never going to let the devil get me down. When life's troubles come my way, I'll hold my head up and I'll say, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Oh, Brother B, that's a rinky-dink song. No, no, it's not when you're down, baby. Amen. Because when you want to discourage the devil, you know what nags the devil? Amen. Praying doesn't nag the devil. The devil doesn't mind if you pray. Why? Because the devil wasn't the director over prayer. But the devil was the director over praise and worship. And when you start praising and worshiping God, you just nag the devil to death. Hallelujah. And I go to singing to myself, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. I'm never going to let the devil get me down. Mm -hmm. When life's troubles come my way, I'll hold my head up and I'll say, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Oh, yeah, I know it's not modern, but it sure gets me happy. <laughs> it sure gets me happy. It makes me feel better. I don't know what makes you feel better, but you sing your song. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. These worldly songs are not going to encourage you. When you're going through troubles and you're going through trials, don't turn on country music. You'll shoot your wife and dog, take a drink of whiskey and blow your brains out. 
That's not very encouraging. Don't listen to rap. You'll be a bumping and a thumping and running into everything. And kicking the boots with somebody you don't even know their first name. Huh? Don't be listening to that stuff. Don't listen to classical either. That'll just, you just want to go on to the grave after you listen to that. You see, uh, sometimes you need to just get alone and have a talk with yourself. Uh, and you need to let you know. You need to let you know who's in charge in there of your inner man. It's your spirit man. There's been times that, that I've been discouraged and I had to let the spirit man, my inner man, talk to my will man. Why? Because my body is divided up into three things. I'm mind, will, and emotions, but I'm also spirit, soul, and body. And sometimes my soul and my body get ahead of my spirit. And I have to let my spirit say, uh-uh, no, 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 back on up. I'm in charge here. The soul's not in charge. The body's not in charge. It's the spirit that's in charge. Why? Because it's not by might, the body, it's not by power, the soul, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Huh? And if you don't have a spirit talking to you, amen, the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about, amen, something that's ethereal or something you got to shake some sort of shaman over somebody to try to come down out of heaven somewhere. You don't have to kill any chickens and spill any blood. I'm talking about you have a spirit man. And if you yield that spirit man to the Holy Ghost Spirit, amen, that spirit man, if you'll feed him the Word of God, if you'll sing and praise God, eventually that spirit man will get stronger and and be more powerful than the soulish realm and the soulish man and the body man and you'll be able to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh because the spirit will be stronger than the body and the soul. Hallelujah. Hmm. Take your Bibles with me. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter number 3. and I, wanna, I, want, you to, I want you to see some little verses here. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says these words. It says, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Amen. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. He's saying, look up, set your affections up. Set your mind up, change that stinking thinking, amen, and begin to put those thoughts toward the thoughts of God. Verse 2, he said, set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. Oh, and I like what Psalms 37 says, where it says, if a man will delight himself in the Lord, the Lord will give him the desires of his heart. What are you trying to say, Brother Ray? God knows you have needs. God knows you have things that you want. God knows that you have things that you desire. But if you'll put your mind right, if you'll put your mind on things above, if you'll put your mind on just being obedient and submitted to God. Hallelujah. And you'll serve God. There's another little verse and I believe it's somewhere over there in chapter 84. It says the Lord is a sun and a shield and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly before him. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say when you set your mind in the right order, it opens up doors in the heavenlies and it opens up doors on the earth. And when you get your mind on the things that are above, you can begin to call on things in heaven and call on things in earth. You can loose some things in heaven and you can loose some things on this earth. You can bind some things in heaven and you can bind some things on this earth and nothing will be able to stand against you when you have your mind in the right place. Hallelujah. Your heart, your soul, your will submitted to the emotions of God's will. 
John Maxwell, in his book on leadership, said these words. He said, the right thought plus the right people in the right environment at the right time for the right reason always produces the right result. Let me say that one more time. It says, the right thought plus the right people in the right environment at the right time for the right reason always produces the right result. Let me give you three little words that determine growth in your life. Write these three little words down. If you want to really grow up in Christ and be everything that Christ has for you, you have three little words that will always affect your life. Choice, cost, and climate. Choice, cost, and climate. Choice, cost, and climate. What do you mean, Brother B? You have to choose to serve the Lord. It's a choice on your part. And guess what? Most of us, it's a choice we have to make every day. Every day. It's a choice. It's an everyday choice. And you have to choose whether you win or choose whether you lose. The choice is yours. The choice is in your pocket. God freely gave you all things. God freely gave you His grace and all of His sufficiency and everything that would pertain to life and godliness. He gave it all to you through the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. But you have to choose to follow His will for your life. You have to choose to submit yourself to His will just as we say this morning if you want to fit you have to offer your body offer your mind offer everything to him and then as you choose you choose everything he would choose you follow after it and you go after it and then there's a cost to it which means you have to let go of things that he doesn't want you to have and I found this out whatever you put back in God's hand when he asks you to give it to him amen he will always give you something better to replace it with Every time God told me, amen, and spoke to me, there was something he needed in his hand that I had in my hand, amen, that he made me the steward of and he wanted it and I gave it back to him. Every time God always gave me something better and still does. I had an F-250 Ford Silver Farm truck. It was a V-10 model, had a rack on the front and that baby would pull anything I wanted it to pull. It ran good. It was actually a Ford that worked. You know, F-O-R-D, found on road dead. Yeah, but this was a Ford that, that really was a good Ford. And, man, that thing would run. I put three transmissions in it in two years. I thought that's pretty good for a Ford truck. And, and, uh, and I love that old farm truck, Brother Rose. And, man, I'd haul gooseneck trailers and I'd haul loads of cattle off. And, man, I love that truck. And God said, would you give me that truck? I said, well, Lord, I'm pastoring now. I don't guess I really need it. He said, would you give it to me? I said, yes, Lord. He said, sell it and give the money to missions. Let me tell you something. When you're married and God tells you something and you're married, you got to go and tell that other one that you're married to what God said. And I went to her and I said, God said, we're going to sell the truck, give the money to missions. She said, what you going to drive? Where are you going to go? You ain't driving mine. You drive yours. Hallelujah. She said, we got to get around. You mean we're going to be a one-car family? And I said, yeah, I reckon so. And I sold the truck. I sold it. And I got a good price for it. I actually got a little more for it than what I paid for it. And I gave all that money away. I give every bit of it away. 
Give it all to God. Amen. And then put it in the food pantry fund at the church. And put it in the missions fund. Put it in the youth fund at the church. I've done several other things with it. Done a little bit of remodeling with it. There at the church, give it everywhere. The Lord told me to give it. One year went by. Nothing happened. Two years went by. Nothing happened. Three years went by. Little girl in the church. We didn't know she had any money. We didn't know anything really about her. Little girl in the church, she was way over there uh, on the other side of Ava out there between Twin Bridges and Shoals, amen, where Missouri is. There's no population there is what I'm trying to tell you. I mean out there in the sticks, little girl about your age, she come to us on a Sunday morning. She said, Brother B, Lord spoke to me. She said, I went and got me a brand new car. She said, I've got another car. And she said, I don't want two cars. She said, y'all want this car? Here's the keys. I just want to bless you. Here's a car. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it was way better than that truck I had. It was way better than that truck I had, and I drove the wheels off that little black grand dam. Hallelujah. I drove, I, what, we put 277,000 miles on that little black grand dam car, and I thank the Lord for it. Why are you, why are you trying to say it? you got to adjust that thinking to say, God, whatever you want, that's what I want, Lord, and I'm going to submit myself to it, Father, and follow your will for my life because the right thought and the right people, the right environment, the right time, and the right reason always produces the right result. There'll be a cost. And then there's a climate. What are you saying? I'm saying who you hang around is what you'll become. It's what you'll become. If you lay with the dogs, you're going to live a dog's life. Licking tail and all. Hallelujah. You hang out with the cats, you're going to froth at the mouth. Hallelujah. You're going to get hairballs in your spiritual throat. Somebody asked me one time, said, Preacher, don't you want a cat and don't you want a dog? I said, no, I don't want a cat and I don't want a dog. I said, why? Don't you want a cat and you want a dog? I said, they don't make good hamburgers. I said, an old Vietnam vet told me cats make pretty good fajitas, but that's only if you don't have chicken. Glory to God. <laughs> what do you raise, preacher? I raise cows and pigs. That way I'm going to have me a steak, and I can have me some sausage on my plate. Glory to God. Let's break that sentence down just for a moment. The right thought. Listen, thinking produces ideas. And ideas have incredible power and potential. But every idea begins as a seed thought. And you have to got to learn to reach into your brain when those seed thoughts get into your brain that are seed thoughts that'll produce weeds. You got to reach in there and you got to pluck it out. Hallelujah. You got to pluck it out. I want everybody to take your right hand. Take your good hand. Amen. Everybody take your right hand. Do this with me right here. Pull all fingers together and just reach in there right there and just pull that out right there. Next time you have a thought that ain't supposed to be of God, just reach up in there and say, Lord, that right there. And take that out there and spit that dog out. Amen. Don't let that seed get in your brain. Amen. Don't let it discourage your mind. Don't let it discourage your thought. We'll say, Brother B, as many bad thoughts as I've had, I'd be a reaching up here doing this all the time. Well, then that way somebody will know you got a problem. They might come over there and pray for you. Glory to God. <laughs> Proverbs 4 and 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it come all the issues of life. The right people. What do you mean by the right people? When you expose the right idea to the right people, great things happen. And in their company it blossoms and it becomes infused with possibility. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say when God puts something in your heart and puts right thoughts in your mind, you don't share that with just everybody. You share that with the people that have faith, that believe God can do what He said He would do. Hallelujah. 
I don't share all my thoughts with everybody. Why? Because if I share my thoughts with somebody who's always discouraged and always down, guess what? They're going to tell me everything bad with the good thought God put in my head, and they're just going to get me back down in the dumps. And i got to share my thoughts with the right people. Hallelujah. The right environment. The right environment thinking is valued. Ideas flow freely. Fresh eyes are welcome. Changes are expected. Questions are encouraged. Egos are checked. And ideas stimulate better ideas. And thinking generates teamwork. What are you trying to say? I'm saying when you get with the right people and you're in the right environment and you share the right idea, not everybody's going to agree with that idea. Not everybody's going to lock, stock, and barrel just all jump in with the right idea. But when you're with the right people and you're in the right environment submitted to God what does iron do iron sharpens iron there's been ideas that I've shared with other preachers that they've shared back with me and gave me stuff that I never thought of that I never dreamed of and the idea only got better because I had people that were sharp enough to sharpen with me and we had the right edges and when it worked together we got the plan of God right Hallelujah. Megan, I don't know how to do graphics. Megan, I don't know how to paint on computers. Amen. I don't know how to do all that stuff. And I went to Megan when we started our ministry and I said, hey, look, I said, you're my new secretary for Uplift Ministries. Amen. She said, what's my pay? I said, you get a Starbucks coffee once a year. Glory to God. Amen. And she hired on. I mean, I mean, just for that, she hired right on. She done our logo and done our banners and done all that stuff. I didn't know how to do that mess. I, if I did that, I'd have me a piece of paper out there and a couple of paint brushes and you know done something and tacked it on the wall with thumbtacks that's about as much our talent as I got amen but when you get around the right people ideas begin to grow and you begin to flourish when you submit your will to God's will and their will is submitted to God's will and sometimes it all comes out the way it's supposed to come out she said what do you want in the background I said I want something rule I want rolling hills something that looks like Something that looks like uh, corn, something with a barn, amen, and maybe a silo on it because this is a rural ministry to rural pastors. And, and she made me this real cool thing that I never would have ever thought of. And she's like, what do you think? I mean, the first thing she showed me, and I said, I like that. Hallelujah. I like it. Hallelujah. The right time. Emperor Hadrian said, to be right too soon is to be wrong. To be right too soon is to be wrong. While still in the stretching stage of an idea, present it without expectation. Time is frames or rigidity. Define the goals. Why? Because if you try to implement your idea too early, it may not really survive. So we do it at the right time. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 says, To everything there is a season and there's a time and there's a purpose to everything under heaven. And then the right reason. J.P. Morgan said this, A man always has two reasons for doing anything that he does. He has a good idea, and then he has the real reason. <laughs> he has a good idea, and then he has the real reason. Motives matter. And selfish motives disqualify us. God only gets behind ideas that fulfill His purposes and demonstrate His love for others. So when you have an idea from God, this needs to be something that demonstrates His purpose and demonstrates His love. Sometimes an idea becomes great when it partners with another idea. Other times it excels just by itself. One thing's for sure. As you stretch your thinking, you will discover what your thinking is stretching you. Let me say that again. As you stretch your thinking, you will discover that your thinking is stretching you. 
Every time I have applied my mind over and above where it, where, where it was previously as I study and as I look to the Word of God, uh, last night I got a little word on donkeys and I was sharing it with the leadership team about donkeys. Did you know there's 83 scriptures in the Bible on donkey? I thought, that's neat, <laughs> amen, and, and, and I'm, I'm in the middle of it, right, I'm still looking up scriptures on donkeys, amen, and probably next time I come back, amen, we'll get a donkey in here and, and we'll go to preaching, hallelujah, maybe he'll go to bucking and some of you all will get in the altar, glory to God, it'll be awesome, Hebrews 12, 12 through 15 says this, look this up in your Bible, and I'll just kind of read it a little slow here, Hebrews 12, 12 through 15 says this, it says, wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and strengthen the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. What is he talking about there, Brother B? He's talking about something that happens in the will of the mind of the believer where the believer has to get control of himself and the believer has to encourage himself in the Lord. He says, lift up the hands that hang down. When I know that my hands are hanging down, do you know that I can deliver myself when I set my mind right to worship and to praise God that in the midst of my depression, if I'll lift myself out of it and begin to glorify God, I get delivered quicker than if somebody has to pray me out. If I have enough sense to praise my way out, hallelujah, I get delivered quicker. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, and in the feeble knees. And he says, make straight paths for your feet. My leg's locking up. I'm sorry. He says, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. What are you saying, Brother B? I'm trying to say in verse 13, he said, that which is lame be turned out of the way. There's so many Christians that had a good idea or had something that the Spirit prompted them to do. Amen. But the devil got in there somewhere and discouraged you, and now your hands are hanging down, and now your knees are feeble, and you just feel like you can't go forward anymore, but you live a little longer in Jesus, you spend a few more years in Jesus and the hands get healed and the feeble knees get healed but there might be just one little thing that's lame there one little thing that has lamed you up and you cannot make as quick a progression amen toward the thing of God that he wants you to make because there's a lame part there there's something there that's hindering you it's not it's it's not that something that just that uh, that uh, that bothers you all the time but it's something that just slows you up it lames you up but he says don't let it be turned out of the way but rather let that lame thing be healed hallelujah he says let it be healed in verse 14 he says follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord and he says looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness spring up in him and began to trouble you and thereby many be defiled well, Brother B, you just read a story a few moments ago where Paul is about to go and he's about to give the defense of the gospel, amen, before King Agrippa. And he's about to give the defense of the gospel before Caesar Augustus. And Paul said these little words in verse number 2 of Acts 26. And verse number 2, he said, King Agrippa, I think myself happy. What does this all have to do with what you're saying to us, Brother B? Tonight, I'm telling you, there are people that are in this room, you're discouraged. You're down, amen. You're going through the dumps. You're, you're going through some stuff in your life, amen, that has... Uh, 
that has sucked the life out of you. It has discouraged you. It has embarrassed you. Amen. It's something that has pulled on you and pulled on your emotions. But I want to encourage you tonight. You got to do like Paul did. You got to begin to learn to think on your Jesus and let your Jesus, amen, get you to the place where you think yourself happy. Hallelujah. You got to learn how to adjust that thinking just for a moment. Oh, if I had time, could I just dispel a few moments on day when he was in the king, when he was in the court, amen, and in the cave of Adullam, amen. And the Bible says he had been rejected by Saul. Three times Saul had tried to take his life and tried to kill him, amen, and tried to take his life out. Even when he tried to encourage King Saul, David's in this cave. He's out in the back country in the wilderness. Other people are coming to the back country of the wilderness. But your Bible says, amen, that David in the midst of that cave, in the midst of that dark place, encouraged himself in the Lord. What are you trying to tell us Brother B? I'm trying to tell you it can be as dark as you want it to be but when you set your mind on the light of the world hallelujah you can encourage yourself in the Lord. What did David do Brother B? I don't know if David spoke in tongues. I don't know if David sang a hymn. I don't know if David praised God but I have a pretty good thought because David loved the Lord with all of his heart his soul, his mind and his strength and David had a heart that was after God heart and if I know God well enough I know God likes somebody to praise him and worship him so I probably just think if when David was down and he was in the midst of that cave in order to encourage himself in the Lord amen David started praising God and worshiping God and the light of God came in that cave and David was lifted up because he started thinking himself happy oh can I tell you about Paul and Silas well they were thrown in a Roman prison in a Roman jail cell Amen. Paul and Silas had been preaching the gospel and now they're in stocks and now they're in bonds. And old Paul and Silas were tied up in that Roman jail cell. They were put in the inner prison of that Roman jail cell. But your Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas began to sing praises to God. They started praising God and worshiping God in that jail cell. What do you think they were singing, Brother B? I think maybe they went back to an old hymn and they said, Amen, I was once a sinner, but I I came, amen, pardon to receive of my Lord. Hallelujah. And they just began worshiping the Lord and began to sing, he set me free. He set me free. He broke the bondage, amen, and gave me the victory and the liberty. Tonight they were just worshiping the Lord. And your Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. They started praising God in that jail cell. And your Bible says an earthquake hit that prison and the bonds and the things were loosed off of them and they came out of that prison because they had been praising God in the midst of the prison. What do you think they were doing, Brother B? I think they was thinking themselves happy. Hallelujah. I think they was just thinking themselves happy. And the more they got happy in Jesus, the more God couldn't control himself and had to come down there and set them free. Oh, oh, I think myself happy. Hallelujah. I think myself happy. Yeah, the devil stabbed me. But you know what trips the devil up? When he stabs me, when he pokes me, when he discourages me. And then when men poke me and when men stab me. Hey, you know what trips people up? When you have the joy of the Lord as your strength in the midst of everything that you're going through. And you begin to think yourself happy. You know, when I had a bad attitude as a kid, mama whooped me. 
Mama whooped me. And Mama would say, you know, them britches you got, you got mad in, the same britches you can get glad in. You just sit right there until you straighten your little snotty nose attitude up and get yourself together. And Mama did me like I did Brooke. She duct taped me in solitary confinement in a room. <laughs> Set me in there because I'm a people person. But I had a bad attitude and Mom wouldn't let me out until I got my act together. You know what? I wish God to do some Christians like that. Why? I disagree with God sometimes when he lets some, some Christians that need an attitude adjustment back in church. Amen. Because your bad attitude in church discourages me while I'm in church. And I really wish you'd pray up before you got in here. It'd make me feel better. <laughs> and uh, and I'm, I'm just talking from my heart now. I've quit preaching. Amen. Now I'm meddling. Glory to God. And, and uh, there's a place in the Lord where we have to adjust our thinking. And, and, and you know what I found out? Mama can't give me whoopings now when I have a bad attitude. Yeah, if she, she could get a hold of me, she probably would. Glory to God. But, but uh, now I have to adjust myself. Now I have to discipline myself. And you know what I do? I have to start thinking back on everything God has done for me. Oh, I don't have time to tell you the times He delivered me. I don't have time to tell you all the times God set me free or He paid a bill or He brought me out or He healed my body or He woke me up or He blessed me or He gave me favor. But you know what? When I get down and when I get discouraged, I start thinking myself happy again. And when I think, just when I the little little thought comes past my head, oh, well, God will never answer that prayer. Well, God will never heal that body. Oh, when I start thinking back on how faithful God has been. Amen. One night we was in a service, a service just like this. A guy named Shelton Zermatt had broken his arm. Amen. And he was in a cast for about over a week. He was there and we were just in a service like this. We started praising God and worshiping God. And one of my good friends, Shelton Zermatt, he's there in the midst of that cast. And all of a sudden I heard popping and cracking going on. And old Shelton lifted his hand up like that. And he went to jerking and slapping that hand all over that church. And that church just, just flat went nuts and went crazy. We took our pocket knives and cut that cast off of his hand just because he started thinking about the goodness of the Lord. I said, Shelton, what were you thinking about? He said, I was just thinking about how good God was. And he said, I just started praising God. And God just reached down and put my arm right and healed my arm. Hallelujah. Because he thought himself happy. I just wonder how many in this room would just adjust your thinking with me tonight. I wonder how many people in this room would just adjust your mind with me tonight and just begin to think yourself happy. Huh? Just begin to think yourself happy. Stand on your feet tonight in this room. Everybody in this room, just stand up on your feet tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We used to sing an old song. He hath made me glad. He hath made me glad. I will rejoice for he hath made me glad. Say it with me. He hath made me glad. Come on, mama. He hath made me glad. I will rejoice for he hath made me glad. Hallelujah. Would you lift your hands in the air tonight all across this place? And would you just begin to say, Lord, adjust my thinking. Hallelujah. Adjust my thinking, Lord. Help me to begin to think myself happy again.